We're going to start uh, today, first we're going to do some introduction. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions and get your involvement. Uh, we may not even get to the first part of the letter today. That's okay, because I want you to understand where you're at and why we're studying Romans. Romans is probably the premier book in the New Testament to help you to understand your salvation. To under, help you to understand what went on when you got saved. Do you understand what, what took place in your life? Why you needed to be saved. Okay? Romans is a premier book as far as a theological book is Paul's most concise statement. It's not naturally concise. It's 16 chapters, but most uh, thorough statement concerning the gospel. Okay? And it's going to take us I mean, 16 chapters, folks. It's going to take us a long time to get through this, and that's okay. Because I think it's very important for you and I to understand the whole issue of our salvation. Because here's what I've found. You know, I've been pastoring now for 20 years, over 20 years now. And I have found that most Christians have no clue about why they're saved, what they're saved from, what salvation does for them. Their concept of salvation has to do with later on. Okay, so I'm going to ask you some questions to kind of start us off, to kind of feel us out where people are at here today. And I'm going to ask you, first of all, what is the gospel? Who can tell me what the gospel is? Who wants to start? Okay. All right, do you hear what Bruce said? Okay, that's good. Anybody have a different answer? And it's okay. Okay, the truth, Denny says, okay. What is the gospel? This is very important because that's what we're supposed to be sharing with people, right? So let me ask you, what do you share with people when you share the gospel? What Bruce said? Okay, Nancy said what Bruce said. Anybody else? What do you share with people? I heard something back here. Gene. The word, okay, all right, what were you going to say? Okay, what God means to you, what he's done in your life, okay, all right, anybody else? Okay, yeah, John, you got you to gotta yell, John, because I can't see your hand up there necessarily. Okay, that we're all sinners and that we all need the grace that God gives, that's good. Now, when I was talking about yelling, I was talking about getting my attention, not your answer, okay? So, okay, all right, I saw a hand over here. Did I see a hand over here? Okay. All right, so what the gospel is, plain and simple, is Jesus Christ. It is the message of Jesus Christ, why he came, what he did for us, what he accomplished on the cross, his resurrection. Do you understand? It's Jesus Christ. The message, the good news, is Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Remember when Jesus was reading in the synagogue? And he was reading from the uh, passage in Isaiah? And the passage in Isaiah talked about proclaiming the good news, about the prisoners being set free and the healing and everything. And he said, today this is fulfilled in who? In him. He's the good news. Okay? Now, let me ask you a question now. Let's move on a little bit. I just want to fill you out here. And we're going to get different. Why do we need to be saved? Maybe you never thought of that. Why do you, what are you being saved from? Why do you need to be saved? 
Okay, sin, sinners, okay. Tom said hell. Okay. What do you need to be saved from? Okay, we're all condemned. We're all without Him. Ourselves, okay. All right, that's a good answer. Yeah. The wrath of God. Separation from God. Okay. All right. What else? Anybody else got a different answer? Something just... Okay. All right. What do you present to people in order to help them to get saved? What do you present to them? Okay, forgiveness of Christ. Let's go back to what is the gospel, folks. Jesus. Okay. So when you present the gospel to somebody, let me... Let me let me let me put it to you this way. Oftentimes what we've done is, and this is our this is the way we are as human beings, we want to reduce it down to a formula. Did you understand what I'm saying? And that this is what you need to do to get saved. And usually it ends with praying a prayer or something. Well that that's okay, especially if the culture is there to understand what you're talking about. But the problem is is sometimes cultures shift. Now, the Christian culture doesn't shift as much as the normal culture does. In fact, I'm going to illustrate it today. So let's, let's illustrate it here. I need a couple of people. Who wants to volunteer? Don't worry. You will not get in trouble. Okay? All right, I got Bruce. All right, Bruce. I'm, huh? No, no, I want you to just, uh, Bruce, you're going to, you're going to represent the Christian culture. Okay? All right, yay. And he's got an eagle shirt on, so please forgive him. Okay? Grace. Grace. Show grace to the eagle guy. Okay. I need somebody else. All right, Brian. Brian, you're going to represent the culture, the world, okay? So he's our worldly guy here, okay? And this is our Christian guy here. You should have the eagle shirt on. You should? Okay. All right. Now, here's what we're going to do. Bruce, what I want you to do is, I want you to face this direction. Okay, just, alright. And Brian, I want you to come here. Now, we're going to talk about the American culture for a second. So if you go back about 400 years, I want you to understand. Brian represents the culture. Now, I want you to forget everything that you maybe heard on Christian radio for a moment, because it's not necessarily historically correct. What you hear on Christian radio is, is that America's always been a Christian nation, founded on Christian principles, blah, blah, blah. You heard that, right? Okay. I want you to understand that that's not necessarily true. Why can you say that, George? Because our founding fathers were not necessarily Christians. <gasps> what do you mean? Well, for instance, let's take several of them. Benjamin Franklin, not a Christian. He had a friend who was a Christian, George Whitfield, the evangelist. Whitfield shared with the gospel with him many times. Franklin never accepted Christ. Thomas Jefferson, a deist. What does that mean? Does anybody know what a deist is? Jefferson was not a Christian. A deist is the philosophy that believes in a God, but the God is remote and impersonal. God set things in motion like you would wind up a clock, and then he removes himself and allows the clock to continue on. That was Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson has his own Bible. Do you know that? Thomas Jefferson took the Bible and ripped out the parts that he didn't like. For instance, he didn't like the concept of miracles. 
He didn't like the concept. He liked the parts about love. And I have the book downstairs. And it's basically, let me see here. The thickness of it is about like this. Okay? Huh? Yeah, that's what he ended up liking. Yes, okay. So, that's Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Paine, remember the, the common sense guy? The, you know, one of our patriot fathers? Thomas Paine was an atheist. What I want you to understand is, is that there always has been in America two different cultures. And they've always been competing against each other. One is the Christian culture, and the other is the world culture. Now, in the beginning, if you go all the way back, let's go back even further than our country. If we go back to the Roman time, the world culture was all the way over here, and it was pagan. Polytheistic, believed in many gods. But the reality was is that the main religion was the state religion, the imperial religion, Rome. Okay? And it, to the Romans, they really didn't care less what you believed, so long as you paid homage to the Roman system, to the imperial system, which was represented by the emperor, who was supposed to be a god, which nobody believed anyhow, but you just would offer incense for the sake of the community. Okay? What happens is Christianity comes along 2,000 years ago, and culture begins to shift. And what happens with the world culture is he begins to make a journey to where his values and the way that he thinks starts to fall in line with this guy over here, which is the Christian culture, which isn't moving very much, okay? Because his values are founded in what? What are your values founded in? The Bible, okay? So he's not shifting. So, okay, so what happens is, it's okay... When you look at the guys in the 1700s and they talk about God, you've got to understand that's the culture. Because at that point, evolution didn't make its appearance on the scene yet. People talked in terms of state religion, but that didn't mean necessarily that everybody believed. They just talked in terms of that. So the culture moves closer and closer so that when we get to the 1950s, it's almost like right here. This is the 1950s, where it's acceptable in the culture to be a Christian, right? Okay? Where people in the community, even if they didn't know Jesus, would join a church simply because it looked good to join the church, right? You know what I'm saying? Not simply because they believed. Now, here's what happens. He's standing here still because he's, he's we're based on principles of what? God's Word. Now, back in the 50s, you could share, we're talking about sharing the gospel, you could share the gospel with this guy over here and say, you know what, you just need to trust in the Lord. You need to recognize that you're a sinner, and you need to ask him into your life, and you need to pray this prayer. And he would understand because he's right up here with him. Now, here's what happened. After the 1950s, we enter into the 60s. What happens in the 60s? Anybody know what happened in the 60s? Well, yeah, the hippies are, yeah, the hippies, but, I mean, that's the late 60s. What happened in the 60s? Yeah, Bible, Bible got taken out of school. What else? No more prayer in school, okay? So you start moving into the 70s. Now, here's what happens in the 70s. you got your first generation 
that has no exposure to, quote, Christianity in schooling. We start moving along. Have you noticed the culture shifting rapidly now? We start moving along. We get into the 80s and the 90s. We have another generation that's born. Now the second generation, do you understand the second generation, that has no concept of the Bible. Like, I'll never forget the day when we had our chill zone program down here. We had a kid outside. It's cold outside. I had a sign out there. And I thought, I'm just going to run up there and put that sign in the building. And, and then I thought, I'm going to walk around. It was cold. It's winter. And I go out there, and I pull the sign down, and I'm walking down the side road here to get back to my office. And we had the chill zone program, the youth program in the, in, in the afternoon going on. And a kid looking in the door. And I walked up to him, and I said, hey. You want to join everybody inside? That's where all your buddies are. And he said, no. I don't, I don't really want to. But he kept looking in there. And I said, well, you know, you can come on in. Why don't you want to come on in? I'm scared. Why? No concept of what church is. No understanding. He's fearful of coming in the building. Is that possible in America? You better believe it. it is. Why? Because the Christian culture is back here based on what? Bible, God's Word, but the culture has moved where? To here. And the culture continues to move, right? You're watching that right now, aren't you? To where now, is it popular to be a Christian, necessarily? No, or, or the values that are held? You know, but here's our same approach. Now, when we talk about sharing the Gospel, our same approach is to come over here to this guy and say, hey, do you really want to go to hell? No. Nobody wants to go to hell, right? Well, you know what? All you got to do is trust in Jesus and pray this prayer. Does he have any understanding of who Jesus is? Remember now, we've got a couple generations that have no foundation in the Bible whatsoever. We have no, we have, we have no concept of the Bible, but we're telling him the same way of sharing. The same method of sharing the gospel with him. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now that sharing with a typical American today is like sharing with a Muslim or a Buddhist or worse, yes, or a Hindu. Why? Because the typical American is more secular, is a secularist, not doesn't have any, any concept whatsoever of any belief in anything. So the culture just keeps on walking. So, hey, bro, you can just keep walking walking out to the end of the, you know. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, you go have a seat. Go ahead and see, Bruce. Okay? What I want you to see is the culture is continually moving, and I'll be honest with you folks, the culture is continually digressing. And we're going to see that when we get into Romans chapter 1, because why is the culture digressing? Because our culture is made up of Gentiles. Do you understand? And the first condemnation, we're going to see as we get into chapter 1 to chapter 3, Paul's pronouncing why the world is condemned, and the first group of people that he spends time on is Gentiles. So when you get all bent out of shade and worked up because the culture is all of a sudden accepting homosexuality, folks, that's just typical of being Gentiles. Now, the question is, so what do we do about that, George? What do we do about that? Well, I think we need to re-examine 
why we're here and what we're supposed to be doing. We need to re-examine why we're here and what we're supposed to be doing. Because we're supposed to be introducing people to the gospel. And who's the gospel? Jesus. But the method which we used is back from the 1950s. We've got a culture that's moving continually away where people don't have any concept, where people think that the spooky show that they watch on TV has some validity to it. Do you know what I'm saying? Have you noticed how spiritualized shows have become on TV? About demons and angels and vampires and and all of this stuff. Why is that? Because we're spiritual people, but if you don't have any concept of God anymore... That's yeah, that's valid. Yeah, you can accept anything. So what do we got? We got to we got to decide why we're here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make a premise. Some of you are not gonna like what I'm gonna say. That's fine. Okay, just don't beat me up. All right. Our task as Christians in the United States is not to make a Christian nation. Really? Our task as Christians in the United States is to share Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because when you look at, can I be honest with you, when you look at, if I had Brian back up here, if Brian is trekking on in his, as the world culture and, and, and trekking on in his decline and his whatever, the reason why we lost influence on that, because he, he came from, notice something, when you go all the way back to, from the time of Jesus, the reason why he was able to come up beside him is because the church had a what? An influence on the culture. Now, how did it do that? Electing the right judges? Electing the right people in office? No. The sharing of the gospel and the transformation of people. Do you understand what I'm saying? But we get to about the 1950s where it becomes culturally acceptable. And for the next 30 years, we're spending most of our time worrying about who's in office. Rather than sharing what? The gospel. So let me, let me explain to you something. Here, you know, here, here, I'm just going to be flat out honest with you, okay? This, this is what disturbs me about Christianity today. We look at what's happening in our culture and we're like, oh, it's not the same anymore. It's never going to be the same. Cultures are always shifting. Cultures are always shifting, right? Okay. How do you know that, George? Well, because the clothes you wear. How many of you want to keep want to wear the stuff you wore back in the 80s? Oh, a few of you. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know... <laughs> Okay, okay. Let's go back. How many of you want to wear the bell bottoms from the 70s? <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, anyhow, I, 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 I know where I'm at. I'm dealing with an older crowd here. Okay. 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 All right. What I want you to see is cultures are always going to shift. But you know what? You don't need to be disturbed by that, even the morality of that. Why? Because your task is to maintain your values and to share with people the hope of Jesus. 
do you understand what I'm saying? And the hope of Jesus isn't just fire insurance for later on. The hope of Jesus is the reality of Christ in their life right now. But the problem is many of us don't even know what it is right now. Do you understand? Many of us don't even know what the reality of salvation is for us right now. And that's why we've got to understand that. So we don't need to get freaked out by the culture. You need to understand where you're at and begin to share Jesus from where you're at. So that's why we're studying Romans. Because here's what we're going to do when we get to Romans. Romans is going to tell you, first three chapters, why all of humanity is condemned. It's going to go right through every one of the groups. What do you mean? The Gentiles. It's going to tell you why the Gentiles. It's going to go even one step further because there might be some Gentiles who say, hey, well, I'm not like those other Gentiles. I'm pretty moral. Well, he's going to explain in Romans chapter 2 why the moralist is condemned. Because he judges everybody else with a standard that he cannot live up to himself. He then explains why the unfaithful Jews, what are unfaithful Jews? Jews who do not recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, why they're condemned. And just in case he left anybody out, he tells you in Romans 3 that all are condemned and all fall short of the glory of God. And all need salvation. So then he goes on from there to talk about what happens in salvation. It it comes because of we're justified by our what? Faith. Faith in what? Faith in the person of Jesus Christ. So he under, explains to you the whole issue of justification. Then he talks about the issue of what salvation means for you right now. We get to up to Romans chapter 6. He talks about the whole issue of sanctification. About how you're to live your life right now. See, this is what we're going to be studying. Now why is that important, George? Well, if I had my two guys up here again... If I'm going to deal with the culture that's continually moving in the wrong direction and people in that culture, I need to first understand where I'm at and what Jesus means to me. Because when I share with that culture, I'm going to be sharing with the culture about the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done in my life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Remember, we talked about that back in Philemon. Remember? Let me go back to that verse in Philemon. When he prayed that they would have an effective witness. Remember what he said? I think it's verse 6 of Philemon. Let me just turn there real quick. That the sharing of your faith, here's what Paul says, that the sharing of your faith may become effective. Isn't that what we want? We want to have an effective witness, right? But here's how we do it. By acknowledging, by the acknowledgement of every good thing, which is in you, in Christ Jesus. That's your witness. Your witness is the reality of salvation in your life. But you've got to understand it. You've got to comprehend it. So this is what we're going to do, folks. We're going to look at this issue. So, okay, we don't have enough time to start with Lesson 1, so we're going to start next week. We basically have introductory material. 